0: You're listening to Historically Speaking, from Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and I'm joined by former Fraternity President and former Fraternity Historian, Kay Larson. Good morning,
1: Kay. Hi, Kylie. How great to be talking Kappa history again with you this morning. Are you properly outfitted today? Well... I'm not wearing pajamas, if that's what you mean. (laughs) I'm not either, but are you wearing your key? Oh, yes. I am also wearing my key. I figured it was a necessary accessory since we're talking about our keys on today's episode.
0: Indeed, I am excited about my key. It's a replica of the one Kappa founder Anna Willett's Petit wore and gave to her granddaughter, who then gave it back to Kappa. Well, isn't that fancy? I'm wearing my own key.
1: And I love it because it has my council bangles, the symbols attached that show what council offices I've held.
0: Oh, yeah. Yours is gorgeous. And yours is lovely, but quite simple, isn't it? It is. But like you once told me, those early badges might have been simple, but there was nothing plain about them. Speaking of simple... The question we're
1: answering today seems simple enough, but it's a little more involved than I first realized. We've been asked, what is the significance of the key? Until I read an article by former fraternity president and ritualist Gene S. Wells, Georgia, in the key, spring
0: 1989, I'd only thought of it in the terms of our badge. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. My first answer would have been, the key is significant to us because it's our membership pin. There, done. <laughs> huh.
1: Fastest podcast ever. But I think they were looking for a bit more detail. And let us point out right away that we Kappas often use the words
0: key and badge and membership pin interchangeably. I've had more than my fair share of odd looks when I refer to my badge as though I were in law enforcement. And also a member of PEO, the Philanthropic Education Organization, and they call it an emblem. So there's double confusion when I call my star a badge or my key an emblem. Goodness, that is confusing. I'll just call it the
1: key for now. And let's look at some of the symbolism. Because a key universally carries the meaning of something that locks or unlocks, closes or discloses. It has long served as a symbol of authority and power. Whenever one buys a house or a car or rents in an apartment and is handed the keys, she has taken part in a time-honored tradition. Distinguished visitors are often symbolically handed the key to the city, even though that city is no
0: longer nor ever was surrounded by a wall or had locked gates. And in colonial days, a ceremony of keys was enacted in Williamsburg, Virginia. The four keys to the doors of the Capitol were received from the master builder and broken in the company of those attending the ceremony, symbolizing the completion of the first building to serve as the capital of Virginia. This could have led to the turnkey job When the key is turned over after construction is completed, or the turnkey sale of today when someone buys a home that requires no renovation and sometimes has all the furniture. Another ceremony which takes place every evening at the Tower of London has been the
1: tradition for the past 700 years. When the chief warder makes his rounds of the castle to lock the gates, at each gate a sentry calls out, who goes there? And the warder answers, The keys. The sentry demands, Whose keys? And the warder replies, Queen Elizabeth's keys. Continuing the ritual, the sentry calls out,
0: Advance, Queen
1: Elizabeth's keys, all is well.
0: <laughs> that ceremony makes me laugh a little bit because I watched the last season of The Crown. And that was the one where the guy went uh-huh. to Queen Elizabeth's bedroom. And I know that wasn't at the Tower of London, but still, they might want to update those 700 year old security procedures. <laughs> Good point. Well, and back to our thoughts on keys. The Latin word for key, Clavis, certainly sounds familiar to all of us as we sing the Latin words Clavis, waste condeat, may your key be splendid. The clavicle, or collarbone, receives its name because it is more or less a key-shaped bone. Music is filled with references to clavis, or clavis, the keys on a piano or organ, the keyboard, which is a collection of keys, the clavichord, which is a musical instrument in which the key strikes a chord. We can sing in the key of C, or like some of us, we may sing off key. The musical clef sign comes from Klawis, and the keynote is the first note of a song, although this word is more commonly used today to refer to a keynote address or a speech at the opening of a meeting. And
1: remember, as a symbol of authority and power, a magistrate carried a ring of keys. The head of a household historically has a set of keys, as does the concierge of a hotel or the housekeeping
0: staff. And Athena is depicted with the keys to the city of Athens, which might lead us to speculate if that is the reason our founders chose the key for our badge.
1: Well, it might, but that sort of speculation would prove to be false. Athena did not actually come into the lore of the fraternity until 1881, when the Browning Society at St. Lawrence University became Beta Chapter now beta, beta, Deuteron, and brought with it, Athena, their patron goddess, her owl, and our earliest call. And that very simple constitution of 1870, it contains no description of the membership pin. But we do know the only surviving badge of a founder, that of Anna Willis, like the one you're wearing, is a flat golden key with the Greek letters KKG on the stem
0: and Alpha Omega Omicron on the ward. There it is. Once again, our common theme in Kappa, so many things seem to have just happened or just come to be. And we may never know the real answer to why the key was chosen as a symbol or a badge for Kappa. Though they didn't write down all of the details for us, the founders did shed some light on the idea a little later. Founder Anna Willett said that her mother suggested the key to lock up their secrets, even though the other founders had an entirely different interpretation.
1: And founder Louise Bennett Boyd once wrote that, My sister and I... Uh, By sister, do you mean Jenny Boyd? Yes, her sister-in-law, Jenny, whom she always just referred to as her sister. Lou said, My sister and I suggested the key design... But of course, it took the combined wisdom of all of us to decide. When we were ready for pins, I suggested Stevenson's in Pittsburgh, because my uncle had known and shopped with the firm for years. We sent a drawing indicating the size and general design and left them to work it out. The pins were
0: satisfactory to us when they arrived. The Delta Red Book, our earliest written document of Kappa's formative years, explains that the key is the instrument for unlocking the hidden mysteries of science, literature, and art. But then later, the convention of 1888 reported that the significance of the key shall be that our loyalty and sisterhood shall unlock the portals into the realm of universal sympathy. Our
1: magazine, was first called the golden key, and opened with the line from Tennyson's poem, Locksley Hall. Because every door is barred with gold, and opens but to golden
0: keys. So we know at the very least that from the moment that they chose to order keys as their membership pins, they and so many later members just ran with that symbolism.
1: Boy, is that the truth. And it really was a great choice, but that's not to say our key has remained the same. Just look at the difference between the badge you're wearing and the one I'm wearing, the size, the jewels, the attachments, how we're wearing it, and where we're wearing it. (laughs)
0: Oh <laughs> my gosh, yes. I can't tell you the number of times that I have heard a Kappa say that she knows exactly how to wear her Kappa key because that was what she learned as a new member. Let me guess. With the thumb of your right hand at
1: the base of your throat and fingers spread out with a pin going
0: somewhere between the fingers. yep. I've heard that it goes between the pointer and middle finger or between the middle and ring finger or between the ring and pinky. And it all depends on how far you spread your fingers. And every single person told me (laughs) as if it were the gospel truth.
1: In the 1970s, our collegiate members were hesitant to wear their badges in class, thinking their professors were anti-Greek and it would hurt their grades. Early in the 1970s, Any reference in the fraternity bylaws as to where the badge could be worn was deleted. Since then, the badge could be worn wherever the member chooses, even in her hair, like our founders. Placement is
0: one thing, but what about the design? In 1873, Epsilon Chapter at Illinois Wesleyan wanted to change the badge to half the size, and they wrote that, If on correspondence with the older chapters, it be found advisable, which means they basically asked alpha, beta, gamma, and delta, but the response was a resounding no. The actual reply stated, the badge cannot be changed in any way and must be obtained from the contracting firm in the East. In
1: 1876, they did change the design a bit. They said the badge must have black enamel letters, and the owner's name and chapter must be engraved on the back. And
0: price? Price has always been an issue. It has and it still is. Between 1876 and 1878, when Delta at Indiana was Grand Chapter, the minutes included a new jeweler's name and it said the secretary was told to write to Mr. McIntosh to see if our badges could be made cheaper. In the 1879 Minutes, said a committee was named to determine what place badges shall be obtained. And in 1881, a directive to Delta from the convention was given in the selection of badges and the decision of questions pertaining thereto.
1: And that's where the list of jewelers began to grow. We knew of Stevenson's in Pittsburgh that Lou Bennett mentioned. McIntosh was in Delta's Minutes. Then in 1881, the Indianapolis firm of Bingham, Waltz, and Mayhew became authorized jewelers. And in 1884, J.F. Newman, a Phi Gamma Delta in New York City, began service to Kappa as one of the official
0: jewelers for more than 50 years. Oh, and I loved their slender style that was so popular in the teens and 20s. Newman badges were gorgeous.
1: They sure were. Even though there were more authorized jewelers in the 1880s and 1890s, we still see quite a bit of artistic license since we know not everyone used the authorized jewelers. In the 1880s, the width through the center of the key got bigger and jewels began to appear more often. But then in the 1890s, smaller keys were popular some only three quarters of an inch long. It was written that they were intended to be worn slightly on the bias at any attractive place among the laces and trimmings adorning the fashionable dresses. In those gay nineties, tiny keys were used as stick pins on wide cravats
0: or neckties. And obviously that little blip on the Kappa fashion radar just wouldn't do. So by vote of the 1896 convention, it was declared that keys bearing the letters KKG shall not be used as stick pins. (laughs) That convention also set the length of the badge at one inch and that is the size that it remains today.
1: Some other notable dates include 1912, when the coat of arms was first used as a guard, a smaller pin connected by a chain to the key. In 1924, it was specified at that convention that the badge should be the slender model with a plain Roman finish, raised polished letters, plain background. If jewels were desired, only pearls were allowed, and there would be 15 pearls, crown set, one in the handle, and three
0: at the top of the ward. So then by 1930, sapphires and diamonds were again optional, and in 1948, Burr, Patterson, and Ald, known affectionately as Burr Pat, were selected as the only official jeweler. Between 1870 and 1948, we have found evidence of at least 21 jewelers who have been authorized to make kappa keys, And we know that there were others since we found some pins that might be considered unauthorized, but they sure have most of the look of a Kappa key. So the next major date was in 2004 when Burr Pat was acquired by Hurf Jones and they're our official jeweler today in 2021. And then don't forget our
1: beautiful line of new badges that were designed for the sesquicentennial in 2019. Though modern and new, they offer a nod to the
0: older designs of the antique badges we admire in the archives. I love that new collection, and I love it even more that as archivists, I get to look at them every day at headquarters. All right, so I have one more bit of symbolism that I wanted to point out before we wrap this up. Another word that often appears in our language is keystone, which generally means something elemental or essential to the whole and has its origin in the field of architecture. So picture, if you will, an arch, one of the most beautiful elements of design in architecture. It's based on the principle that wedge-shaped stones placed in juxtaposition upon a strong upright foundation will conduct weight uniformly. At its apex is the keystone that locks the whole thing together and thereby becomes that upon which all else depends. The goal in construction is the keystone, thus completing the total design. Properly constructed, the arch needs no mortar or artificial elements to hold it all together, for it's a perfect balance of natural and positive forces in interaction. How significant then that Kappa chose the arch for its
1: grand seal, symbolic of unity, performance, strength, endurance, and stability. We can take it a step further and note that we, the members, both active and alumna, are those wedge-shaped stones placed in close relationship one to another upon a strong foundation, which is our past providing the perfect balance of natural and positive forces in interaction. The keystone is the spirit of Kappa that holds it all together and upon which all else depends. Within the keystone of the Grand Seal is a key, our badge. What a perfect vision that is. I think this is the beauty and design of Kappa Kappa Gamma that gives such great significance to our key.
0: See, simple answer. The key is significant to Kappa's because it is our membership pin.
1: (laughs) And it only took us a few turns through the history books and official documents to arrive at that conclusion. Thank you, Kylie, for helping me to answer this one. I love my Kappa key,
0: and I hope I always remember why it's significant. Me too. I love my plain gold badge that I was given after my initiation, And I really love the antique keys that we have in the archives. The keys are gorgeous and the stories of the women who wore them are even more beautiful. Listeners don't forget to dust off your key every now and then, and consider how deep the sweet significance is of that tiny golden pin. You don't have to wait for a meeting or a convention to wear it. And if you have another question you'd like us to answer,
1: you can email us at archives at KKG.org.
0: Bye. You've been listening to Historically Speaking, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, the Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Initial research was done by former fraternity president and former fraternity historian K. smith Larson from Beta Pi Chapter at the University of Washington. And production is done by me, Kylie Tower-Smith from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College and the Archivist and Museum Director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.